Well, welcome to last Wednesday. Uh, my name is Terry Phillips. It is awesome to be with you. And uh, man, I am uh, one. I'm just blown away by that that quality of worship. And I'm just still hearing the song, that song, the the chorus, um, "Sweetly Broken, Holy Surrendered." Sweetly broken, holy surrendered. And uh, man, I, I just pray that we all walk away with a renewed meaning of, of what, that, what that is and how to apply it. You know, I, I think a different way of saying about it, a lot of the theme of what we're gonna talk, be talking about tonight is that you can't appreciate Jesus in the cross. You, you can't appreciate Jesus in this cross behind me unless you fully realize your need for it. Can't fully appreciate it unless you realize your need for it. Um, you know, if you've been around Crossroads any amount of time, you'll know that we rarely have a cross that we put out, and uh, it's not because we actually don't value it. It's not not because there isn't deep meaning in it. We actually don't often put a cross out exactly because of that. You know, one of the things that we never want to do is have a cross but not give people context for it, and that's what we're going to do tonight. We're, we're gonna provide context for what this symbol means. And, and I know if we ask people, there might be a lot of answers uh, to, to what the cross means, but I wanna tell you tonight, the one thing the cross symbolizes is the greatest rescue story ever told. This cross symbolizes the greatest rescue story ever told. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever been rescued. I was thinking about it this week. I'm, I'm a pretty independent guy, so when I think about rescue, I hate that idea, yet I was thinking about it, and about a year and a half ago, um, I remember my car broke down, and I started to think, um, man, what do I do? And I don't know, most of you may, if you have a car, you probably have insurance, and uh, when I bought my insurance, they had this little deal where they said, hey, for like five bucks every six months, you can get emergency roadside assistance. I remember being on that phone call thinking, I don't know if I'm gonna do this. This sounds kind of stupid, but finally I was like, you know what, I'll just pay the five bucks. Maybe it'll come in handy sometime. And every day when I wake up, probably the last thing that I thought about was needing emergency roadside assistance, right? I probably never thought about this little card that's sitting in my glove box that uh, could come in handy until what happened? Until I finally broke down. I, I actually, I was going and taking my dog to the vet, so it's me and my dog, and we're driving back, and of course, like, I'm stuck. My dog's now, like, really excited and freaking out and jumping on me, and I'm just like, oh, this really stinks. And you, you, you know what? When I pulled that cart out and called the tow truck, how much was that worth to me? It was worth a lot more than the $5 I had paid a few months before. And what I hope for all of us, that, that we actually realize our need in this thing called the cross. Because the more that we realize we need to be rescued, that, that we, are, we are actually broken, and without being broken, there's actually no beautiful story of redemption and rescue. I pray that we, we walk away knowing what that looks like. And if you're a part of Crossroads, you know this past week, we started off a beans and rice fast. I think this is actually a beautiful illustration of what we're going to be talking about. Um, when we say beans and rice fast, if you weren't here, basically we all had a challenge, which was to take a week to change how we would eat, to take all of our meals and challenge as many meals as we can, instead of eating what we normally eat, eat beans and rice, take the money that we would have spent on our meals and allow 
through our sustenance, through our not having as much to be generous to somebody. And there are three initiatives, super excited about those. And then the other thing is that there's a lot of gas that comes with that too. I am dead serious. And uh, there have been some good fart jokes. I'm actually gonna show my favorite fart joke that came up this week. We'll see if they'll put it up here. It goes something like, it's a good thing we chose not to do baptisms this week. Jacuzzi? All right, it might be a slow burn. If that takes you a minute, that's okay, but think about it. Or, or poke, the, poke the person next to you, they'll tell you what that means. But, um, you know, there, there's, there's good stuff that's gonna come out of our team fasting that literally is gonna have an impact on our city. But what I wanna tell you is that that's actually not the most important thing that's gonna come out of fasting. There's actually a deeper thing that I believe God intimately wants all of us to know through this thing called fasting. And specifically, is that as we go through fasting, as we go without, as we empty ourselves, it actually increases our belief and need for a rescuer. As we go through this thing called fasting, where we do without and things are uncovered in ourselves, it actually increases our belief that we need to be rescued. You know, the first thing I said, when we fast, one of the first things that happens, we uncover our brokenness. We uncover our brokenness, and let me tell you, I found it this week, I am a broken, broken dude, and let me tell you how I found that out. So um, we're starting the beans and rice fast. We started on Sunday night with some friends, and it, it was about Monday at lunchtime where I realized, like, I am really, really hungry, and I'm like every minute looking at my snack door just wanting to jump in and, and, and grab that, and I just realized I am a lot weaker than I think I am. That, that actually, not only was I getting really hungry, but I was getting really cranky and short with people around me. And then, not only was I getting short, I'm like complaining about gas pains. I'm thinking like, man, what kind of man complains about gas pains, really? I'm dead serious, I, I'm just seeing like, I am a broken guy that I, I can't go half a day, with, and I'm still eating without eating what I want and being frustrated. You know what, I'm also a guy that is incredibly prideful. I feel like I'm entitled. You know, one of the things I learned is that as I'm eating these meals that, let me be honest, are much more bland than I would normally eat, because I love food, man, I feel like I am entitled that every meal should taste delicious and unbelievable, and if it's not, you know what I will do? I will throw this away and go ahead and get something that does taste unbelievable, right? Gosh, I, th- that just uncovered. I wouldn't have thought that about myself, but I started seeing this. Um, another thing that I saw, um, I'm actually really judgmental. I went and had breakfast with a buddy, and uh, it's actually a good buddy of mine, and uh, I sit down, he got there a little earlier, and I sit at the table, and he knows that I'm fasting, I'm eating these just beans and rice, and he's got this delicious apple danish with caramel topping from Reality Tuesday. Dude, not cool, you know, like, I'm sitting down, it's right in front of me, and so, you know, my buddy, who's an awesome guy, he's like, hey, I'll help you buy breakfast, I'm thinking, man, you are a jerk, how are you going to eat this thing in front of me? Uh, But really, I I was becoming incredibly judgmental and I'm looking at other people that, that are eating chips and maybe not fasting the way that I was fasting and I was placing judgment on them. I'm a broken, broken guy and I want you to know that no matter what happened with you, if you are part of this fast and maybe that looked like trying it for one meal and getting incredibly frustrated, yeah, you know who you are. I saw some of the folks that posted on Facebook and saying, I am done. Man, there I want you to know there's actually good stuff in that. There's something important for you here. If you are maybe somebody that looked at this challenge and just said, I can't even do that, I want you to know there's actually still hope. 
You may actually even be one of the person that said, this is awesome. And uh, I want to show you a picture of my little guy named Tyson. This kid loves some rice and beans. I mean, look at that. I can, you know, we didn't paint that. That's his rice and beans beard. That may be you where you're like, I am loving this. Um, I want you to know there, there is still good stuff in it. And uh, I was going on Facebook. I was looking at people posting. There were people sharing recipes. There, there were people that were sharing even some of the tough things. And uh, I want to read this quote that somebody says. They said this. Day one. One half cup rice, one half cup black beans for lunch at the office. Interesting feelings rose up within me, feelings of insecurity as I ate with my coworkers who chowed on large quantities while I slowly ate each morsel. Besides insecurity, I also felt a tinge of envy over their lunch. That's honest, isn't it? Like, I, 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 I was reading that, I was like, man, I really have to appreciate the honesty in that. Is somebody was saying, I, I'm seeing broken things that are in me. I'm seeing things that if maybe I was just stuffing my face the way I normally wanted to, at least me personally, that stuff wouldn't have come out. And, and now that when I'm fasting, there's a brokenness that, that is just revealed, it's uncovered, maybe we never knew it was there. Once you know that wherever you are in the fast, if you are experiencing any of this brokenness, it's actually the first step to amazing rescue. It's the first step to amazing rescue says this in 2 Corinthians 12. It says, but he said to me, this is God speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake I will delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. See, Paul gets here this idea that the beginning of this is actually making ourselves weak so that we can have a God that can begin the rescue process through grace. And that's actually the next step. When we make ourselves weak, the next step is we actually have a chance to see God's rescue through grace and provision. You know, for me, I got to see this a, a couple cool ways is, is I finally started getting through those things that I was struggling about. I just told you, um, there were amazing ways that God showed up this week. You know, the first one is we decided that as a staff team, um, somebody was going to, for the first couple days of this week, cook a big pot of rice and beans, and then we would get together as a team and eat it in the, in the staff kitchen. And what was really cool about that is, is we were experiencing sustenance or, or even something that felt like less than that is we were eating food that, quite frankly, this is not what we'd normally be eating. You know what was amazing? God actually provided an unbelievable abundance of community during that time. You know, it, it was really cool. We sat down and we're eating these meals that just aren't quite as good. You know, we had some amazing discussions about how we were feeling during this. Discussions that normally probably would have been too busy to have. And, and man, it was just a sweet, sweet time of being together in community with other people. One of the other ways that I saw this, we ended up, uh, we started the fast on Sunday night. We went to our friend's house and uh, they ended up cooking this Caribbean style rice and beans. And uh, it was actually pretty good. I will give them credit. But you want to know it was really good? They made this rice pudding that had like heath, broken heath bar topping on it. Okay, that doesn't sound like fasting, does it? But let me tell you, you want to know the abundant way that God showed up in the midst of my brokenness and frustration? Is that God said, I'm going to give you a provision of amazing creativity as we were spending time with our friends. 
What, what a beautiful way of just taking stuff that was in their pantry and making something really beautiful to bless our families and to eat together. It was awesome. It was great. You know, the last way that God showed up in the midst of my brokenness, I told you about my frustrations with my buddy at Reality Tuesday, you know, watching his Danish and just sitting there like, man, I can't believe you're literally going to eat that whole apple Danish in front of me. I'm still a little broken in that, if you didn't notice. Um, we, we go up to the counter, he's like, hey, I'll buy, I'll buy your breakfast for you because you know, I know you're, that you're saving. And so we go up to the counter, and uh, I know the owner there, so we say hi, and I'm like, hey, you don't happen to have any rice and beans for breakfast, maybe a rice and beans donut. And she says, actually, we're making soup for anyone that wants to come in for the fast, so if you want us to heat up a bowl, we'd love to do that. I was like, well, awesome. And, and she brings it out, and she's like, hey, on the house, you know, I know you're going through the fast. And then she proceeded to share that she was going to, for everybody that bought that bean soup at her store this week, she was going to go ahead and give all the profits to the fast that's happening. And I, that is awesome, isn't it? And I'm not saying that to plug Reality Tuesday, although their, their pastries and stuff are amazing, <laughs> so good. Um, but what I am saying is that, man, God's provision in the midst of my brokenness was unbelievable. God, God's desire to rescue me out of that place that I was was a beautiful thing. You know, it, in fact, I mean, it says that we are strongest when we actually choose to uncover our brokenness and have it collide with God's grace and provision, collide with this plan to rescue us. You know, as I think about Holy Week, I'm sure I've thought about a lot of things like Holy Week being representation of God's sacrifice, Holy Week being um, how much God loves us. But I'm just reminded Holy Week is a time of celebrating God's amazing rescue. I can't say that enough. You know, one of my favorite rescue stories in the Bible actually happens in Luke chapter 7. And we're going to take a look at here. Um, it says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. So Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. What do you think of this woman? What do you think of this lady? Well, I can give you a little context for what was going on. Um, Simon's the name of this Pharisee. And so Simon invites Jesus over. And actually, when people would eat then, it was usually only a semi-private place where they might be out in an open courtyard. And so it wasn't unusual for a woman like this to maybe overhear a conversation that's going on. And so she overhears conversation, and everyone's looking at her. And how are they thinking about her? So they publicly knew she was a sinner. That whatever the things that she was known by, everybody knew about it. Everybody knew it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. We, we can say, was she a prostitute? Had she done this? I, I don't know, but they all knew it. They knew what it was. And in, in the midst of her brokenness, in the midst of, of people judging her, she saw this glimpse of hope. And she starts making her way over. And so Jesus is sitting, and, and you, you can imagine the, the, the mumbling that would happen because this kind of woman would never be able to sit at Simon's table. And she makes her way over, and, and as people are literally jeering at her, you, she just begins to cry. She makes it over to Jesus' feet, 
begins to cry on his feet. The interesting happens when she cries on his feet, she knows that his feet are dirty. And normally what Simon should have done, if Simon was... um, a good, a good steward. Simon was a guy that was, was good to his guests. He would have actually had Jesus' feet washed, and she notices it. She does something which is really, really crazy. The, the thing that would have been most beautiful about a woman, one of the things that they would value most is their hair. Actually, probably still the same today. You watch any Pantene commercial, eh, all the way these value hair, right? Um, she starts wiping his feet with her hair. I think that would look kind of scandalous. There may be even people that are thinking, is there anything inappropriate going on here? I mean, that's pretty crazy, right? So she washes his feet. And she takes this alabaster flask. Alabaster was something that was of incredible value. And it was used for different things. It was used to to, um, actually get rid of the bad smell if somebody died. It, It was also something that sometimes a woman would put around her bed in order for it to smell good. And, and the alabaster flask was valuable. What was inside was more valuable. And she break this, breaks this jar and pours it out onto his feet. What do you make of this woman? Well, our story continues here. It says, when the Pharisee who invited him in saw this, he said to himself, and actually the word Pharisee, an important thing, Pharisee means separate. These were people that thought they could separate themselves from unholy people and be holy enough. And uh, so Simon says this, he said, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering, Jesus hears this. He's, Simon's just mumbling this. Jesus hears it. And he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon answers, say it, teacher. So Jesus starts this story. He says, A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Um, a denarius was a day's wage. So if you're thinking 500 denarius, that would actually be around $50,000. One owed $50,000, one owed $5,000. Just trust me, I'm Asian. I'm good at math. I got it, I promise. Uh, you just have to trust me on that one. And uh, it says here, When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Wiped it clean. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, well, the one, I suppose, who he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, I mean, he's saying this to Simon, he's looking at the woman, he says, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. You gave me no good welcome and greeting. But from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet, which was a term, a term of endearment and respect. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. No matter what we made of this woman, I'd ask you now, what did Jesus make of this woman? I mean, I think we would have said she was incredibly broken. She was publicly known as a sinner. She was an outcast. She had her issues. Everybody knew about it. What did Jesus see? Well, the first thing that Jesus saw that there was an incredible brokenness about her. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, her sins which are many. And Jesus saw something else there. He knew that she was aware of his abundant provision. 
you know, we, we talked about the benefit of fasting, the benefit of going without, and actually she's showing us what that looks like as she's taking these things of incredible value and she's saying, God, these things aren't working for me. I'm pouring this on your feet. God, I'm, I'm handing this over to you. I'd argue that the bigger the poverty we experience, the greater the rescue that Jesus wants to do in our lives. The, the greater the poverty, the greater the brokenness that we realize, actually the greater the rescue that Jesus wants to do. What's interesting is that Simon did not quite get this concept. Simon was the guy that believed that he could be good enough, that he could do enough good works, that Jesus was just a good teacher, but if he kept on the straight and narrow, that eventually God would be on his side. And what actually happened is that he could never be good enough, and actually he could never be broken enough for God to do something in his life. You can't appreciate Jesus and the cross unless you realize your need for it. You can never fully appreciate Jesus and the cross unless you realize your need for it. You know, I think a normal question coming out of this is that as we maybe look at this story, is there a character that maybe we relate to more, Simon or this sinful woman? A guy that was maybe forgiven little or a woman that was forgiven a lot? Although I think the truth is, if I'm telling you, all of us are actually the sinful woman. Some of us just don't realize it yet. All of us have sinned much, but some of us just haven't realized it yet because we're not willing to look at the brokenness that, are in our, that is in our lives. You know, it says this in Romans 6, that, that the wages of sin is death, that all of us, that's what we deserve. If, if God said, hey, the payment is due now, our payment is death for us choosing against him. And it also says this in Romans chapter 3, 23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many people? All people. We've all fallen short. However, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That, that God desires to rescue us. You want to know what the good news is? The, the good news is, is not that we can work anything off. The good news is that the debt has already been paid before we did anything. The good news is that this debt of death, this debt of what we deserve, it's already paid. It's paid before we even ask it. It's amazing. Look back at the story of the moneylender and the people that, that owed money to him. Did he wait for them to, to even do anything? No, he said, your debt is canceled. And I want you to know, the more we realize that, that the debt has already been paid, the more you are going to appreciate the amazing rescue that this cross represents. Colossians 2 says this, it says, And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, you who are choosing against God, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. We are all that woman. 
We all have that amazing debt. But what it also tells me is that the rescue on the other end is unbelievable. I believe we can only appreciate this thing called the bread of life when we fully realize our need for it. I'm going to invite the band out in a moment, and in just a little bit, um, we're going to take communion. My hope as we do this, though, if we believe that, if we believe that there is a debt that hasn't been paid, imagine right now if somebody came to you and said, you know that mortgage you have? I paid it. Imagine the credit cards that you have. If somebody said, you know the credit card bills that you have? They're gone. Imagine if somebody, the student loans that you've accrued, I've taken care of that. I want to ask you, what would your life look like? What, what would, how would you respond to that? I have to think that there would be an amazing weight lifted off your shoulders. There would be an amazing rescue, right? As we take communion tonight, communion is typically a time where we solely focus on remembering these things at the Last Supper of Jesus talking about his death. But tonight, as we take communion, my hope is that we look at two things. I hope we remember, but I hope we also take time to say, Jesus, I am broken. I am broken, and tonight, maybe I have a clearer picture of how big that debt is. And, and God, I'm going to come up to communion, standing with my shoulders up high, um, smiling like that smile that Robbie was talking about earlier, because you have paid that debt for me. And, and as I take communion, I am realizing that. The debt's been paid. It's already gone. That's what you believe, that I want you to take communion like that. I want you to feel the weight lifted off. I want you to feel the amazing rescue story that this cross represents. Some logistical details. We are a dipping community, so I'm going to invite the volunteers up now too. And uh, they're going to take the bread. They're going to break it. And then you need to take the bread and you need to dip it. So don't take the glasses for them, um, just so that you know. We've got four stations up front. We've got two in the back. So if you're in the back, go to the back stations. If you're the front, you should probably go to the back stations because they will be a lot less full. But my hope is that we see our brokenness and we see the amazing rescue as we're taking communion. I want you to know if you're not sure what you believe, I'd first just say, hey, communion is not a time for you to partake in, but I do have something I want you to think about. If you have any areas that you're experiencing brokenness in right now, if you have areas of frustration, areas of fear, areas of maybe not, just feel like you're not measuring up. What would it look like to believe there's a God that might want to rescue you from that? What would that look like? The bigger the need, the greater the rescue. I just want to say the communion table is open to all who would need rescued.